This morning, my message I titled, Test the Spirits. We are to test the spirits to see if they are of God. But before I read the scripture, I have a, a little story. Well, not a story, but a little item I found. So this is hypothetical. So let's suppose that you are new to town. You move to a new town and you're looking for a place to worship and a place to belong. And let's suppose that you visit a worshiping community. You pick up a bulletin on your way in and you sit down and you read their mission statement of this group. And it reads as follows. The mission of the blank temple is to encourage benevolence and empathy, to reject tyrannical authority, to advocate practical common sense, oppose injustice, and undertake noble pursuits. Well, you might think to yourself, well, that sounds pretty good. I certainly would like to belong to a group that encourages benevolence and empathy. And I agree with them about rejecting tyrannical authority. I cannot say that word very well. And who doesn't want to advocate practical common sense? It does seem like there's a lack of that, right? Of course, I oppose injustice. There is far too much of that in the world anyway. And I really want my life to count by undertaking noble pursuits. I think this might be a good place to hang out, right? Become part of. But now you may or may not be surprised to learn that this mission statement just read is taken directly off the website of the satanic temple. <laughs> True. It sounds benign, almost like a group that, you know, you want to be part of. But of course, it is the complete opposite of biblical Christianity, isn't it? We wouldn't want to be part of that. So how do you discern between truth and error? How can we know what teaching will lead us to heaven, lead us to the Lord, and what is going to lead us down the wrong path, lead us to hell? So in his first letter, the Apostle John helps his beloved flock and us to know how to discern between truth and error. Our scripture comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. Most are beloved. Yeah, I had a note here. Beloved, do not, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. That's going to be the most important theme through here. Whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen? They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your patience with us, as I've already spoken, I thank you that you are long-suffering with us. We thank you, Father, for your word that you have given us to guide and direct us, Father, to keep us on that straight and narrow path. But, Father, to give us understanding, 
Thank you, Father, that we can ask for wisdom. We can ask for knowledge, Father, and you will give it freely to those who ask. And Father, we pray that your spirit would be in this place today, that you would help us understand what you have for us. Father, help us to be faithful. Father, to detect what is true and what is false. Father, by your spirit. Father, that you would lead us and guide us. And Father, may we live our lives in a way that would glorify and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this word that John has given us this morning was written between 85 and 90 A.D. So even at that time, in, the, in the, the, the beginning years of the church, John's saying that many false prophets have gone out into the world to deceive, to deceive the believers, to deceive the Christians. So if they were there at that time, you know, we've already spoke this morning, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Things are just as evil then as they are now. There's evil, false prophets out there today, just like there was back in 85 and 90 A.D. How do we test the spirits whether they are of God? How do we test the validity of the prophets or teachers? You know, it was important in John's day, and it's just as important today, that we test to ensure that it is of God, to make sure that they are not false teachers or false prophets. We make sure that it, the word that we are hearing lines up with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Make sure it lines up with God's moral character. If it doesn't line up with God's moral character, brothers and sisters, it's false. It's a lie. I shared last Sabbath that by the time John wrote his epistles, he was well advanced in years. He was getting up there in age. And most of the eyewitness of Jesus' ministry while he was still on earth had passed away, but yet John was still alive. So some of these believers that John is speaking to were young believers, and some had Greek backgrounds. So it was hard for them to believe that Jesus was human as well as divine. They had a hard time grasping that in their minds. Because in Platonic thought, the spirit was all important. They thought that the body was only a prison from which one desired to escape. A later false teaching called Docetism held that Jesus cast no shadow, nor left any footprints. Didn't leave any footprints in the sand, right? But He did. Proclaimed that He was God but not man. My friends, that is a false teaching. He was a man. He became one of us, right? Amen. Took on the flesh. And you know, the devil will use any lie to prevent people from believing in Jesus Christ. Believing He is who he, the Word says that He is. He'll use any lie and deception that He can think of. But John sets them straight. Verses 2 and 3 said, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, it is not of God. It is a false teaching. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So the very first test that we can use is, what do they say about Jesus Christ? What do they believe about, about Jesus? Do they believe that He is the Son of God? Do they believe He was born of the Virgin Mary? 
Do they believe that He lived the perfect life? Do they believe that He suffered and died for my sins and your sins? Do they believe that He rose from the grave and is now seated at the right hand of the Father? Do they believe? What do they believe about Jesus? There's the number one test to know that it is, if it is false or if it is true. My friends, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John says that in the book of John. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt among men. God came and dwelt among us. Imagine that. But we must believe that. That is the truth. My friends, John walked with Jesus. He knew that He cast a shadow. The sun didn't just shine right through Him. He knew that He he touched Him. It, It was solid. His hand didn't just pass through Him. He laid His head on His chest. It's in the Scripture. John knew that He was real. Had flesh and bone and muscles just like we do. My friends, that's why it's so important we have a good understanding of God's Word. Paul encourages believers to know, to have knowledge, and to have discernment. It takes both. Philippians 1, verses 9-11. through says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Discernment in its simplest definition is the ability to decide between truth and error, between right and wrong. Discernment is the process of making careful distinctions in our thinking about truth, is it not? I mean, there's discernment that we can use in life for many things. Spiritual discernment is the ability to tell what is true and what is false when it comes to ideas and thoughts about God and about Jesus Christ, His Son. A person with strong spiritual discernment can tell if a teaching or an idea or doctrine that they are hearing is from God or if it comes from the Father of lies. As Karen already said, the devil comes to deceive. The devil comes to steal, destroy, deceive, and divide. We need discernment. We can pray. We can pray for spiritual discernment. The Apostle Paul said, This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. See, again, they're connected. Paul says you can pray. I pray this for you. We can pray for ourselves. Pray for knowledge and all discernment. If Paul can pray, can't we? Yes, we can pray for it. You might think, well, I'm not very good at discernment. Well, hopefully, we can develop it. Not hopefully, we can develop it. We can. We can develop by using God's Word. Hebrews 5, 12-14 reads, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. 
For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. My friends, if you break your leg and they put that leg in a cast for eight weeks, what's going to happen to that leg? Atrophy. How did you say it, Karen? Atrophy. The muscles in that leg, when they take that cast off, this leg's going to be nice and muscular looking, right? That's the way your legs look. This one's going to be skinny. The muscles are going to shrink. Why? Because you haven't used that leg. It's been in a cast. That arm's been in a cast for weeks, right? The muscles are going to shrink because you did not use them. My friends, by reason of use, we exercise the senses. We exercise our minds. We exercise our spirit by reason of use. And how do we do that? Right here. Right here. You know, God could have told us all we need to know in one page. He could have. God could have said, I am God. I created the earth. I created man. You sinned. I sent my son. He made it right. That's it. The end. Believe on Him. You live. You don't. You die. Could have. But no. He gave us all this so we could exercise our minds. We could exercise our use. Become strong spiritually. Paul said, some of them, they're again needing milk. What's he saying? Well, you've been a believer for ten years and you're still drinking out of a bottle. You haven't exercised your mind. Exercise your youth. Use your minds. Exercise them. Make it strong spiritually. Pray for discernment. Pray for knowledge. And God will give it freely. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22, it teaches us that it is the responsibility of Christians to be discerning. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. So he's telling us, test all things. Test it to make sure it's true. Make sure it's of God. Unfortunately, discernment is an area where many Christians stumble. They exhibit little ability to measure whether the things that we are taught are the infallible standard of God's Word, or if they're not. Why? Because they're not in the Word. They might hear once or twice a week, and that's it. But they're not in the Word. How are we going to know if it's the infallible Word of God if we don't know the Word of God, right? So they may unwittingly engage in unbiblical behavior because they don't know that the decisions they made are against God's Word. In 1 Corinthians 12, it teaches that discernment is one of the spiritual gifts. I'm going to read more than just that verse, though. 4 through 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I'm going to pause there. God didn't give you the gifts that you may have just for yourself to enjoy, to make you look good. But He gave you those gifts for the profit of all. 
Are you blessing others with the gift that God has given you? For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, so we can say that is the gift of wisdom. To another is the word of knowledge, so again, the gift of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith. My friends, the gift of faith, right? By the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. We can pray for it. Seek it. Seek the gifts. Seek them all. But may we be faithful to use them for His glory, for His purposes, as He wills. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but it describes the spiritual armors that believers are supposed to put on, right? You know them, the sandals of peace, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, don't get ahead of me, the shield of faith, and then there's a sword, right? What is the sword? The Word of God. It is the Word of God. So therefore, those who are mature in the Word of God, if they they are not in the Word of God, guess what? You're not fully armed to do battle. So you need all of the armor. Not just part of it. Are you going to get all dressed up, put all that other armor on, and go into battle without your sword? No. You need all of the armor. You need to be complete. We need to be equipped to discern true and false teachings. You know, there's a spiritual war that's been raging between God and God's heavenly forces and the fallen angels of darkness since Satan fell. There's been a battle going on. Ever since he fell from heaven, he has has been seeking to divide the world. He's seeking to deceive people. He's attempting to keep people from coming to God. And that's been his goal from day one. From the time he tempted Eve in the garden. Division has been the devil's playground. He has been at work from the beginning and he's still working right now to divide. We can see it. We can see it on a national level. But what's the difference we're going to make? Jesus, His love, being in His Word, discerning. We can see division even in the church on a myriad of issues. Last week I heard on the news, I won't say what denomination this was, but if you heard the news you may have heard it, where they just inducted the first transgender bishop into their church. Now a transgender is someone that, I mean if you just came out of the cave, you wouldn't know so, but you probably do know. It's someone that does not identify with the gender that they were born with. So a young boy identifying as a girl or vice versa. You know, little Michael now says, I'm now Michelle. So that's what it is. Now, they're confused. We need to pray for them. Not condemn them, we need to pray for them. We need to love them, as Karen already said. Love the person. But they're deceived because... They don't have discernment. Because if you had discernment, 
they would have opened their Bibles to 1 Timothy 3. It's not going to be up there. It says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires to, the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetousness, one who rules over his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not have know how to rule his own household, rule his own household, how we take care of the church of God. It doesn't take a lot of discernment to figure out that a bishop needs to be a man of one wife. So he needs to know that he's a man. My friend, Satan is trying to destroy our nation and he's trying to destroy God's church. And we must not sit by idly and do nothing. We must stand against the forces of evil, number one. We must stand in the strength and the power of Almighty God, the mighty God that we serve. We must stand on the Word of God and we must stand on the truth that is found in His Word. But do it with love, not condemnation. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It's not ours. We're called to love them, right? Back in eight, eight, yeah, 1989, at a prestigious, well-known Bible college in America, there were about a dozen students who began asking a simple question. Where in the Bible does it say that? It became the life preserver for this group of believers. Because one of the professors who taught biblical counseling rarely... He, or he normally relied primarily on so-called truth of secular counseling, theor counseling theories. The students, many of whom were serious Bible students, did not know how to refute their professor or to interpret or introduce scriptural perspective into the discussion. The students were asked, what book was on your desk throughout this course? They replied with the name of the course textbook a book based primarily on secular psychology and psychotherapeutic practices. When asked about the location of their Bibles while they were in the classroom, they answered, under our desk. This is in a biblical college, a Bible college. Even though these students carried their Bibles to class every day, the professor did not reference specific verses and did not assign any homework using the Bible in the biblical counseling course. In an effort to bring the class presentation back to Scripture, the students eagerly committed to start asking the professor, where in the Bible does it say that? Where in the Bible does it say that? When he stated things that were in conflict with Scripture, where in the Bible does it say that? My friends, there's our answer today. Where in the Bible does it say that? As believers, we must have our discernment, you know, our... Discernment intersects our life at every point. It does. Every day, we have choices to make. And God's Word provides us with a needed discernment about every single issue in life. Amen. It's in there. It's in the book. 
Is this right or wrong? Go to the book. It's in there. According to Peter, God has granted to us everything pertaining to life and goodness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. That's in 2 Peter chapter 1. See, it's through the true knowledge of Him that we've been given everything we need to live the Christian life in a fallen world. We can live a Christian life in a fallen world. And how else do we have true knowledge of God but through the pages of His Word? Jesus warned against division in Matthew 12, 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. My friends, we need to stand together, and we need to stand together on God's Word and on His truth. We must not allow God to destroy His church. Allow the devil to destroy God's church. Romans 16, 17 and 18 says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. For those who are of such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Take note of them. Have no part in it, no part of them. Avoid them. Stay away from them. Discernment is indispensable in living an uncompromised life. It is absolutely necessary for the Christian to have discernment. Without it, we'll be like, let's say, tossed in the sea with the waves, right? If we do not have discernment, we're going to be tossed back and forth in the waves. Believe in everything that comes along. Test it against the Word of God. When you look at discernment in the Bible, as I've already noted, it is always connected with spiritual maturity. If you want to be a discerning Christian, you need to be a mature Christian. Get off the milk. Get on the solid food, the Word of God. One who is growing in his faith, one who is understanding the Bible, one who is growing in the knowledge of the Lord. That is the mature Christian. John MacArthur, commenting on 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, said, The same demonic deception that will work to produce the final world ruler who rules as a false Christ is always actively seeking to distort Jesus Christ's true nature. Amen. In the flesh, right? Perverting the gospel, the final Antichrist will, be, <clears throat> will not be something new, but will be the ultimate embodiment of of all the Antichrist spirits that have perverted and propagated satanic lies since the beginning. The spirit of Antichrist has been in the world since Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden and brought about mankind's fall from grace, from the grace of God. In his book, Live Not by Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents, Rod Dreher said of the spirit of Antichrist, this spirit or spiritual power takes material form in government and private institutions, in corporations, in academia and media, and in, in, cha in the changing practices of everyday American life. There is virtually nowhere to hide. Mm -hmm. right. But my friends, we must always remember 
What did verse 4 tell us? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We need not be overcome by evil, but we can overcome evil with good. We can overcome evil. We have and can overcome evil by the blood of Christ. Because he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. We must stand against evil. We must have discernment. We must have knowledge and understanding of God's Word. Amen? Amen.